This is TV8 by Dinner, a podcast about entertainment issues brought to you by DarkCrazy.com. I'm so sorry. To face her sister's wedding, Kat needed more than a date. She needed a new roommate from the moment they met. They couldn't stand each other. They were perfect for each other. She thought he was the man of her dreams. Until they realized... (gasps) He'd be the one to wreck her life. Luckily, her new eccentric billionaire boss has a lot of experience. But the hardest thing about leaving is letting go. Tom, will you be my maid of honor? It's Valentine's Day today. (laughs) Now, her date has the family talking and Kat feeling... Will you grab my shampoo? Shampoo, got it. Something she's never felt before and he's teaching her more than she ever wanted to know. I'm not gonna write you ones who never fit in are the ones who really stand out. This holiday season, Ashley Judd, Greg Kinnear, Hugh Jackman, Marissa Tomei, Tom Hanks, Sandra Bullock, Hugh Grant, Ben Affleck, Deborah Messing, Dermot Mulroney, Meg Ryan, from the director of Sleepless in Seattle. From the director of Pretty Woman. From the producer of Miss Congeniality and Two Weeks Notice. The most romantic affair of the season. This hasn't really turned out the way that I thought it would. In the story of a woman who thought she had it all figured out and the last man she ever expected to change her mind. But he'll need to figure it out before it's too late. A story about the paths we follow, the detours we take, and the choices we make along the way. I'm getting married tomorrow. One, two, three, I'm recording now. Recording. I'm recording now. Are you recording, Lynn? What the hell? I've been recording for like 50 seconds. Yeah, me too. So you started recording almost exactly the second that I Well, you said recording. record now, and I said, all right. <laughs> I said, it, yeah, so that so exactly. Fairly similar time. Cue. I think maybe about five <laughs> seconds off. One would think that was a simple enough time for us to all start. Oh, God. Should we start over? <sighs> What'd you do? <laughs> Great. Computer's broken again. Man, I am using like a $200 eBay laptop that doesn't even have a CD drive. She's got hand crank internet. Yeah, I had, to, I had to run for like five hours yesterday on my hand cranked internet so that I would get internet today. And Greg, you didn't even figure She's out how to turn a, on your computer properly. She's got a kangaroo on a jumbo wheel. <laughs> That's how the whole thing is powered. No, at the moment it's all flood powered. <laughs> it's a hydro, hydro man. We're always thinking. It is kind of ironic how every apocalypse movie pictures Australia as being ravaged by desert, but you actually flood out. No, no. Uh, for the last for the last ten years, That's Australia has been experiencing title. the worst drought we've ever had, and this year suddenly it's all flooded. Now you know where all that water yeah. went. It was just waiting. It's building up. It's been somewhere. flooding for like a month here. It's crazy. Okay, I'm ready. I'm recording now. How are we doing, Greg? Oh, We're fine. good. Is it all, all right? Go. All Let's right. Let's do this thing. 
You're listening to TV Ate My Dinner. My name is Sean. I'm sitting here with Greg and Lynn. Good morning. Hello. Of the 2011. How you doing? Of the pre-apocalypse year. <laughs> the penultimate apocalypse. <laughs> and, and That's a it looks like they're getting an early world. start, though. Based yeah. on penultimate apocalypse. Some of, the, some of the weather events we've been having here lately. It looks like they're getting an early start. Yeah, as Greg called it, it seems to be starting in Australia. So how about that? Yeah, we're having those crazy floods here. It's been flooding all month, and it's oh, it's just horrendous in um, they, in Queensland at the, the moment. The inland tsunami. Yeah, they're yes, calling they're... it an inland tsunami. A seven-meter wave of water swept through Toowoomba in the last 24 hours, and uh, basically eight confirmed dead, 72 people missing. Overnight, including a school Lord, full of fifty people horrible. who are just trying to take cover. Yeah, it's horrible. It's just and all of. I mean, a, a huge area of Queensland at the moment is flooding, and they're expecting more storms tonight and tomorrow. But you're you're okay where? where well, I'm not in Queens. I'm in New South you're Wales. Not experiencing. Um. So they're not having the trouble. Not having as much trouble as Queensland. We were talking we're about this last week, where trouble. we don't know the we don't know the. Yeah, yeah. There has been flooding. There has been some know. flooding in New South Wales. Um. I think it's probably gone down at the area where it connects with Queensland. They're having flooding. And um, we, a month or so ago, we had some flooding here in Tamworth. But um, the Country Music Festival hasn't started yet, and that's usually when the flooding starts in Tamworth. We get an influx, like the town doubles in population for the Country Music Festival, uh, which is a, an annual event here. And usually at that time, when everyone's camping alongside the river, we have flooding. That's just because music. God it's hates country popular music over there. Maybe. And then, I mean, that's interesting to me. I mean, as a side note, that that country music as a as a genre is pretty popular. In Australia. In Australia. Yeah, I guess it is. Yeah. You appreciate the southern twang. Yeah, well, we've got Keith Urban here, don't we? Parts. Well, I was about to say one <laughs> of the best known uh, current country artists is uh, Aussie. Aussie. Interesting. So I'm in concert. Aussies. Yeah, right. I remember well, that. You I'm went to the Keith Urban concert. That you're safe where you are, hopefully. We've got we've got blackbirds falling out of the sky. And the fish. Them damn fish swimming Here. up and just dying on the beaches. Yeah, that almost takes away from it because at first I was looking at the story and it said blackbirds die in mass in Arkansas. I was like, God, that's as ill a portent as you could ask for. <laughs> just a bunch of blackbirds just dropping to the ground. And then, like, fish, too. It's like, oh, well, then that's probably just pollution. <laughs> like, that made it not apocalypse. Like, oh, well, no, it actually made it that's worse just, to me because, like, you know. Well, it is worse like in reality. boiling but as, and the sky falling and, you know. Mysticism. Well, only in Arkansas. Well. I did watch the day after. What is it? The day Maybe after tomorrow? I'll tell you something. I watched Arkansas. that yesterday. And there's a bit where all the birds are flying away and he's uh, just going, yeah. oh, isn't that weird? I'm like, your dad's a scientist. You're not even going to ring him yeah. and say, hey, what do you think all the birds are flying away for? <laughs> yeah, what's with all these birds? I mean, he doesn't have to be, <laughs> no, doesn't have to be a bird scientist. Geometry. <laughs> even just to ring him and say, hey, look, well, something interesting's happening. <laughs> I mean, if that movie was made now, you would, there Mandel. would be nothing but <laughs> said, phones well, looking up at the sky, videotaping. Because dad would probably be like, what are you talking to me about? What, birds? <laughs> it's just birds. Come on. Yeah. Oh, you saw a bunch of birds? Yeah. Well, where would you expect to see them? <laughs> Swim in the ocean? Of course they were flying. They do. <laughs> but they were Come flying on. left instead of right, dad. Oh. I gotta, I'm got i talking to Congress right now, okay? I thought you were having finals. 
that you're going to inexplicably flunk is a nothing subplot. Well, no finals at the end, do they? But Howie Mandel on Twitter, he said, uh, it's no mystery that dead birds fell out of the sky. Dead birds can't fly. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> That's like pretty the, good. The deadpan. The deadpan. When I Googled this, though, because I did see this, like I was at lunch somewhere and I just saw this, you know, you see the weird stuff on CNN where they're just telling you people are missing or, you know, white women don't want to get married, so they run away and then we all have to look for them for some reason. But they, uh, the ticker is like, mysterious deaths of blackbirds. <laughs> like, what? This is an interesting opening. What is this? What happened? And then I Google it and, then, you know, it's it's weird, but then a lot of people are coming up to go, no... Mass deaths of animals are not that uncommon. They do tend to happen in, in certain areas. The story is weird because the story says they all got freaked out by fireworks and <laughs> ran into a wall or something. Well, that makes sense to me. It was like New Year's and there's a bunch of fireworks. And I can imagine all the birds in the sky going, what the hell? <laughs> what are they, the young <laughs> I'm getting, ones? I'm getting out like here. They've never been in Arkansas during a, a New Year's? Like what? I, and they all just instantly like run into the same wall together. That's a fishy. Like I don't know. My cat is six years old, and he still freaks out every time there's a fireworks display. He still runs under the bed. Well, it's it's actually not. I haven't heard the part about them running into a wall, but the. Uh, well, they I, said they I, might I have been that out. Up. I don't you know how what easy it is to make happened. a bird die from spooking. Spooked and something happened. Well, they say it could be like they sound didn't... wave trauma, like you know, yeah. the, if if they're flying but close to really the fireworks and they go off and. You know, just a shockwave is enough to kill them, apparently. I'm willing to accept that something of that caliber happened to them. Well, they could have just all gotten freaked out and died. Birds do that. If you just freak them out, they just die. Like, if, I mean, they die from cat attacks even if they haven't been scratched. They're just like, oh, my God, that was a cat and it touched me, and they just die. <laughs> yeah. they Birds are. are just like the wimps of, of nature. I freaked out a goldfish one time and killed it. I'm going to put you in my mouth and put you back in the bowl. <laughs> Looked at it funny. <laughs> it's waving a knife no, around it, it at it. It wasn't an experiment we were doing in high school where we, you know, we put a. Um, um, you tried to kill goldfish. You put a goldfish in the beaker and you put them on a hot plate. Put the beaker on a hot plate. I don't think that if you put them on a hot plate, that may solve the mystery. Right well, no, yeah, that's so what not you scaring do, it to death, Greg. That's burning it. The, I will tell you what, what the experiment. I will tell you a story. My, my girlfriend what, what, in college. What the experiment was was that you turn the heat up just a little bit and you would. Notice that the gills move faster and slower, and then they would stop the when you pumped the, it. Of, of the water. You just did it too but, much. But what I did was like I would crank it all the way up and let it get good and warm, and then I'd dump ice I in it to get that it cold. Did it back and forth, back and forth, and apparently the fish didn't dig that and he died. Well, uh, yeah, he didn't dig it because it killed him. <laughs> I think I don't think it was psychological at all. When my girlfriend in college, she had a fish <laughs> tank and she was putting in some kind of it cure or something in the tank. And something on the bottle said, and this seemed, I was going to say fishy, but this seemed <laughs> not correct. And it said something like to work, the temperature of the water had to be raised to something like 100 degrees or something retarded like that. And she put like a lamp down on top of the fish tank. And when I got up the next morning, it was just this, this horrible fish apocalypse. We're <laughs> just like eyeballs floating out of sockets, just these dead things with scales melted off. You're just lucky she didn't electrocute herself putting a lamp in a fish tank. It was just a bad in there, but still, she did the job. Were you supposed she, to take the fish out before you, you know, 
raise the or water perhaps temperature. it's a typo. You're certainly not supposed to like raise the temperature to like a hundred degrees while they're in it. We could have eaten those fish. Did I you? had to dispose of them. No, I just got rid of them before she got up because I don't think she could have stood the horror <laughs> of what she had done. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> it was awful. Oh, well. So don't do that either. Ben does it my cat freaks out and vomits. He cleans it up before I get up. So I yeah, sometimes that's the good thing about having a dog. Sometimes you hear him get sick in the middle of the night and you're just like, I'm going to ignore that because he'll probably take care of it. <laughs> Usually it happens. Either that or you, there's a minefield waiting for you when you get up in the morning. Well, either way, it'd be there, so you might as well ignore it. Because either it's going to take care of itself or you'll still have to deal with it. As with most of life's problems. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of times in my life, I've said, you know, I don't. if I just ignore that, it'll go away. It's like, it doesn't go away, Sean. Someone <laughs> else has to deal with it. Then you get home and it's fixed. Whatever, potato, potato. <laughs> Still sounds like I got the right system. Either way, I'd be end. Up, I'd end up with the cleanup. I guess so. So we're going to talk about rom coms tonight. That's the topic. Yes, I am prepared for your ridicule. Yeah, Greg likes rom coms. Oh, as well you should be. <laughs> and musicals. I like some of Greg. them. And boy bands. I don't like Greg boy bands. Greg doesn't like things with weird I, names. I, I, he I was like, witness to some boy bands recently, things. but I do not like boy bands. Boy bands. <laughs> okay, well, we'll let you open. Hmm. How's that? With with the pro argument. I'm not necessarily going to come anti-rom-com, although I don't. I'm not a big fan, but... Like any other kind of genre, there are good rom-coms and bad rom-coms. I mean, some of them are... are, are legitimately funny and have decent stories and others are just you know kind of retread of the rom-com formula which actually i have some notes about a rom-com about the rom-com formula there are several movies out there that all have kind of the same thing i as well have a theory say again i have a theory also yes on what could make a good or bad because i actually do have as as you i have some that i that I find tolerable. See, I think the thing is, with a rom-com, when it's bad, there's nothing to save it. See, with a horror movie, if it's bad, you know, you can still laugh at it, you know, that sort of thing. With a rom-com, when it's bad, it's just bad. There, There is nothing to go and watch it for because it's just, there, I mean, if there's no chemistry between the leads or something else has killed the movie, there, there's nothing to go and watch it for. Can't watch it for blood splatters. Well, that's true of all comedy, though. That's why horror is better. When horror mm. fails, it's I'm not a fan still of comedy a successful either, so. comedy. <laughs> but when comedy fails, it's just irritating. So rom-coms are kind of worse because they're like the lowest form. <laughs> well, I like comedy, but I mean, it, it is sad to say that it's like I expect it to be funny if it bears the name. And that's where things seem to go wrong. But uh, but, but getting... There Greg, you go. There's the standard issue again. You've got standards, Sean. That's what's holding you back. <laughs> yeah, really. What's funny is like I, I, I have different camps of people who think that I set too high a standard, and then I have other camps of people that think that I have no standard. Like I don't know how I fall so evenly in both of those camps. But it's like if I talk to something, people like Wilson and I are are building to a fight on Facebook about whether or not Tron Two is a good movie. And I told him already, I don't want to have this fight. I'm not that passionate about this movie. <laughs> I just thought it was good. I don't want to have to defend it. 
I don't think a debate is necessary. <laughs> you know, you're out of your element. They're like, no, no. <laughs> you let them get away with this crap, they make crap. It's like, well, I don't think it's crap, though. So it's like, to Wilson, I'm forgiving of well, all crap. Think, Tron's kind of crap before it even made it to the, the new movie. So, you I know, mean, I keep saying this. Gotta... You know, I love Tron. I do. But I watched the first Tron after I came home, and I was like, you know... I think Tron 2 really did this justice. I think so. <laughs> if, you, if you watch the concept, and I, of course I find the original more charming and more fun. I do. But really, in concept, I thought, you know, the second one did what it was supposed to. And that's I all think, I'm saying. I think we're just getting in trouble with I know people. that's not a rave review, but it's like it did what it was required to do. It delivered what it promised to I think to where it's getting in trouble with people is when they compare it with The Matrix. Because that's like the 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 definitive computer movie. Uh, well, I don't think he does that. I think he's comparing it to the original Tron. But I think that's purist because your love of Tron comes from a child's level of criticism. Well, yeah, and, and, and to me, I mean, your your criticism of the second one comes from an adult's perspective. It's like compare them. Just try to strip away like bias and compare the two films. That's all I'm saying. You know what the biggest problem with Tron 2 was? No Julia Roberts. How could it be a romantic comedy without Julia Roberts? That's what we're talking about, isn't it? Oh, romantic right. comedy. Yeah, yeah, rom coms, okay. Yeah, Tron's not a romantic comedy? Oh, okay, whatever. <laughs> okay, well, Greg, you, you spearhead this thing, because I'll take, I'll take it in all kinds of directions. But, the, but, but Greg, you said there are good. This is, in your opening yeah. remarks, you alluded to good romantic comedies. Yes, there comedies. are good rom- romantic comedies. Uh, so I I call upon your list okay. at good. this time. What is Exhibit A? Uh, exhibit A would be The Wedding Singer. The Wedding Singer is an example of a good romantic comedy, and I think yeah. everybody here would agree. Okay, I could see, and I could see where that applies to the rom-com yeah. genre. Because, you know, it's a boy meets girl. There's there's a conflict element of the of the original boyfriend. Uh. And, you know, they, they... As usual, the girl's with a guy for no apparent reason, and she's going to marry him for no apparent reason. She's with a tool. Right, yeah. right, right. This is the and, convention and of rom-coms that makes me nuts. And the ultimate, the ultimate, you know, um, indicator of a rom-com is Adam when the, the, the hero ends up having to chase after the girl and do something crazy, like drive Actually crazy through to town. Actually has to stop a real wedding a from plane, occurring. First class, first class plane ticket, like in The Wedding Singer, or some other kind of thing like that, that... That is the true mark of a rom-com, is at the end, they had to do something crazy to get the girl back. Huh, you, you know where it wasn't like a, a usual rom-com? Her like, boyfriend, her fiancé, didn't just say, oh, that's okay, you go off with this other guy. He just, he started, he started causing some trouble. And that's where it deviated from a usual rom-com, where usually there's a bull... They thing, went the other way the and made him such a like, villain. This is like the wedding crashers. Yeah, usually there's a, a, a Bill Pullman character who's just like, it's okay, go off and marry that other guy. No, man. Well, see, that is why well, that's, that, that's the, why there are Sleepless two kinds in Seattle of foil. sucks. <laughs> Sleepless in Seattle is one of the worst things that's ever happened to Western yeah, civilization. I, I would agree. I mean, it's it's a rom com, and I do not enjoy it at all. It almost ruined the concept of romance to even foster and and forgive this concept that you're with someone and you're not sure, so you have this ridiculous fantasy that you draw out of nothing they never even meet and you build that up and you actually and it works that's where rom-coms like i could punch you in the face for pretending that this will work because really that guy's the craigslist killer 
<laughs> and the guy that you're about to marry, you probably shouldn't marry him anyway because you don't want to. <laughs> I'll tell you your business, but you clearly don't want to. So it's not like you have to. You don't have to find the Craigslist killer online and get with him and meet him at the top of the Eiffel Tower or whatever. It's the Empire State's building in that movie. But you don't have to make some grand gesture where you hook up with somebody else. Just don't marry that guy if you don't want to. All romantic comedies are based on the premise that that women are stupid. At least when That's it comes one of the reasons to why love. I hate them. Because even when even as a woman, yeah, because even when it works out, it's usually the guy having to draw her away. It's like, do you really have to convince her not to marry this obvious tool? In the case of like the big ones, is like wedding crashers. She's with a guy who's like a douchebag, you know, he's a massive douchebag. wedding singer. He he's a douchebag. It's obvious. So why isn't it obvious to her? Well, because okay, okay, you know. I agree with you that there are a lot of movies like that. Sleepless in Seattle is one of them where, you know, the, it's already obvious that the match is not going to work even to the girl. But um, in The Wedding Singer, it was a little more difficult because she had other things kind of in play. You know, she was she was thinking more about, you know, how the guy had money. Yeah, because that makes guy, her a nicer know, human being if she's worried about the money. Exactly. So, Again, so there were so legitimate concerns. She's supposed to be so cool, but she likes this guy who dresses like Miami Vice because he drives like a Lamborghini, but he's a total douche. Even to her, he's not even – at least in Wedding Singer, the guy is – in The Wedding Crashers, the guy pretends to be like a sensitive guy, and behind the scenes, he's a tool bag. That's because they've, they're, they've learned their craft, and they're actually refining the formula. But, but anyway, what I was saying was The Wedding Singer is probably a good example of a rom-com that is good yet sticks to the – the conventional rom-com formula. Yeah. Sure. So, I mean, there are other movies that are romantic comedies that, that, that don't do that, that are also good, but, but the, we yeah. kind of established that there is a rom-com that formula. The wedding singers is a little of a spoof on a rom-com almost because they're playing that, that formula on purpose. And in a way you can forgive the movie that, but then that also kind of detracts from the idea that it's a defense of the genre. I like that. Did but speaking. What I think about rom coms is that there's always something. There's always some other element. There's never. It's never just about let's watch these two together. There's always some premise, like the, he's a wedding singer or something like that. Uh, they're, they're crashing weddings, or you know, often he made a bet to go out with her, or some stupid like that. There has to be some premise that they base the movie upon, so it's not just mm-hmm. a fantasy element that wouldn't happen in real life. It, even in, I was going to mention Fifty First Dates, which is actually one of his better another one of Adam Sandler's good movies that he made with her and the rom-com he made with Drew Barrymore but 50 First Dates was a little bit more inventive because there wasn't a foil the conflict came from the the fact that she had this problem I didn't like 50 First Dates so there wasn't another guy that they had to get past or whatever the whole conflict which made it a little funnier was the fact that she never remembered who the hell he was Every time, and it almost that becomes sort of a metaphor for dating because every time you just have to keep starting over and over and over. But instead of it being first dates with different girls, it's the well, same I mean, one. That, that's every an time. example of a romantic comedy that doesn't follow the formula and is good. 
Yeah, I'd actually argue that as a better example because it's a little, you know, all they did was rip off Memento and make it a romantic comedy, which is a little, that's kind of inventive too. And because it's Adam Sandler, they have to have people getting beaten up randomly. She just starts beating that guy up. Randomly, yeah, and you have to have like Rob Schneider in somewhere. <laughs> they just keep bringing well, now, out Well, now people. let me bring, you know, uh, an, an example of a bad movie that also fo- follows a common formula. I don't know if you guys have ever no. seen The Wedding Date. Have you seen? Okay, this this movie has. I guess there's a reason why so many of them have the. Well, I mean, well, they a lot of them, you know, revolve around a wedding of some sort. Is this one of this movie where the Will and Grace chick brought in like Dermot Mulroney to right, be as a as a uh, paid, you know boyfriend for this hire? This is like a reverse pretty woman. Actually, it's Can't Buy Me Love is what it is. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I guess it could could be a retread of that. One of the common romantic comedy ideals is that you can buy someone to be your date who will inexplicably fall in love with you for buying them. Yeah. This is a male fantasy, really, because <laughs> pretty it's pretty woman is the male fantasy, which is a higher hooker, but she turns out to have like ethics and she's clean and then she turns out to be nice and then we fall in love and well, everything's Yeah, fun. and that and in that movie he's like a professional. And I'm not a scumbag for hiring a hooker, you know. essentially. The end of the end of that story. So, you know, I can't tell the kids about that, but I'm not a scumbag, so don't judge me. And that's the can't buy me love where he hires the girl to pretend that she's his girlfriend. And then this is this movie where she hires Dermot Mulroney to pretend that she, cause a girl like Deborah Messing couldn't get a date. No. Because she's so hideous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the other female fantasy element that, you know, pretty girls like that still can't find dates. And you know, that, that makes me, you know, sitting on my lounge, eating my chocolates feel a little bit less bad. Mm-hmm. Pretty girls like that can't get dates. There just mustn't be no guys out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess that's what it is, because I was thinking of it more of a male fantasy where we sort of want that to be the case, but maybe it plays on both sides. But yeah, that is like, I shouldn't feel bad because she's supposed to be normal and she's like a glamorous, super hot girl and she can't find, not just love, but she just wants someone to take to a wedding. You know, you could, you don't have to spend that money. Surely you know somebody that would go to a wedding for you, with you, that's not a total weirdo. Well, one thing I've but noticed in movies like that is usually they have, in order to make that work, um, they have to make the girl so flawed that you don't really care one way or another whether or not she's happy or not. Um, that was... That, yeah, neurotic lead female characters. Another floor of rom-com. Yeah, is a, and you know, that movie was the case. And uh, actually, there's yeah. another one whose name is Case I mean, that had Sandra Bullock in it a year or so ago. Sandra Bullock. Um, oh, All About Steve. No, no actually, was, I liked All About Steve. I think All About Steve kind of got a bad rap. It, but it looked like it was trying to be spoofy. Well, she was playing a, a character that was a little bit... A little bit. ...off her rocker and not, not a bitch. Yeah, but just a little bit, you know... A little bit quirky. She was not any off a rocker's not a good description. She was quirky, and she didn't fit in with with the normal, you know, people out there. And but she was under a lot of pressure to. She was under a lot of pressure to 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 find a boyfriend, and she found one that she thought that she could bond with, and she just kind of went overboard trying to grab him. And and so I didn't actually think that movie was terrible, you know, but uh, because it actually kind of had a sweet ending where she, you know, is. Well, that's another rom-com thing. You have to have a sweet ending. 
Well, this one, this one had a well, di- this one had prove, a, nice, like, a nice sweet rom coms. They're sort of like reality TV shows where you you spend the whole time making fun of people for being a certain way, but then you give it a, a sweet ending, and that forgives the fact that you're really just selling the whole movie. Well, this one was was kind of nice people. in that she found absolution. She didn't end up with the guy, but she found absolution. Yeah, spoiler alert, Greg. Way. Oh, well, now you ruined well, it for me. You're not gonna watch it. Well, all about spoiler alert. Spoiler, she doesn't end up with a spoiler Steve. alert on a three-year-old movie doesn't count. Okay, <laughs> I thought they were all about Steve in that movie. Now I cannot. It's think. all about Steve. Steve's the guy. But anyway, well, well. I thought it was a decent movie. Not the best movie I ever saw. Well, there should be more movie. movies where the girl learns that it's okay for her to be alone. There should be more movies like that. Where it's like, you know what? I don't actually need a guy to make my life happy. That should happen more. Well, that's kind of the way it, That's kind of the way All About Steve worked out, was that she kind of discovered that she didn't need to be attached to a guy to be happy. I can't recall, it actually, if she ended up meeting a guy or not. I don't think she did. But she turned out to have confidence in herself. And Well, I think that's better if that's... But then, it, technically, that's not a rom com well, anyway. Right? It, it's it's not really. It was more it's, of just a, a just a kind of a, to end up with somewhat screwball comedy. I I actually kind of think it probably ended up getting dogged out in the media because it people thought it was going to be a romantic comedy and it didn't fit the formula, and, and so they didn't know what to make of it. So anyway, where are we now? We're um, uh, we've we've talked about one movie. <laughs> We've talked about a couple of movies that that are examples of of good and bad rom coms. Uh, Well, we were talking about the wedding date, but let's not go any further than that. Um, Another really good one, and probably one the one most people think about when they're thinking about romantic comedies, is when Harry met Sally. Um, I mean, this this is one of my favorite movies, and if you dog it, I'll drive to Savannah. Even in the five inches of snow we got outside, and kick your butt. Tape it, videotape it. Favorite movies. (laughs) I think I'd be willing to have that fight (laughs) over when Harry. But no, what bothers me about this movie is not the basic. I mean, this is a good movie, but it does have a fundamental flaw that I think is not healthy for people. And the fact is that how long these two are friends. Hmm? Before they get together. I mean,. In, in the whole yeah in the whole thing about the, the whole thing kind of revolves around somewhat of a social experiment that you'll be friends with someone your whole life <laughs> essentially not their whole lives but long <laughs> and then suddenly well that it, it sort of becomes I, antithetical I think actually, to the idea that men and women can be well, friends see, that's, that's the whole experiment they're trying sense. to the, the whole question of the movie is whether or not men and women can be truly friends without the sexual element getting in the way. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm sure people can and they do. I, you know, personally, I mean, other than work colleagues, I can't think of any friends I have that are women that, are, that aren't on the other side of the planet. Sure, Cause I have, <laughs> I have lots of friends who are, but, women. Uh, but I mean, but that's just me. Uh, but, but anyway, I think it is just the, you, but, but, Actually, I think it's it's not just they you, all want to have sex but with yeah, I don't think it's as. Yeah, common I think it's just you. I have that. lots of male friends that I don't have sex with. See, um, it, it's it's but, actually it's it's an interesting it's an interesting social commentary, commentary, and a lot of it, you know, 
you know, Billy Crystal in the movie is a very cynical guy. And, you know, he, his thing is he believes that, you know, men and women can't be friends without the sexual element getting in the way. And I think in a lot of cases, he's probably right. Uh, now that, whether or not that's right or wrong, whatever. I mean, it, that's the concept of the movie. Well, I think and the rightness of it is in that if, if you were friends with a really hot girl, you, you wouldn't be thinking of her romantically, but if it ever came up and she said, like, like, like and she said, Hey, let's get together. Like, okay. Well, that, that's just the male thing. Like, yeah, I, mean, I could agree yeah. with that. I could agree yeah. with that, that, but that's, but that's totally different than the emotional element of saying that there would, there would be a romantic tension between the two of them. Because I think this is the Ross Rachel thing that made me crazy in friends where, you know, they get together, they don't get together, they like each other for so long, and then they become friends, you know, and then they're exes, but they're friends. But at the end, they're like, yeah, but then they get together. It's like, no, this you can't have this this undercurrent of, of romance that, 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 that is around them all the time. Because love doesn't give way to indifference. It, it, it has a much more familiar twin which is hate <laughs> when you feel for someone and you can't realize that feeling, you can't turn the feeling off, but what you can is you can, you can shift gears and you can <laughs> change that to something else. So if you really, really, really are in love with someone and, and you just can't make it happen, then the only thing you can do to survive is to just not be able to stand them. And then you move on. And then after a while, you come to like them okay because that feeling goes away, and then you can be friends. But you can't just go straight from, oh, i got to have them, got to have them, got to have them, to be like, well, we're just friends and it's fine. And, and be able to maintain any kind of real feeling there. You're bringing up another element of romantic comedies which I don't like, which is that love equals drama. In every case, love equals drama, and that that drama is necessary for the love to go ahead and the drama is good and it's all... Yeah, because I, mean, I don't know that many people that every single time they're in love with someone, there's a huge drama. But in romantic comedies, getting with someone always equals lots of ups and downs, and you always break up and get back together, and it's all good. And that's not that's not regular. Like you're in yeah. high school forever. It's like I know I can't do that now. Like when you're young and you're just you, you don't have any brains <laughs> and you have like all this space in your head to keep stuff, and you just have all these like. These, these emotions and, and chemicals that run through, you fall in love for no reason all the time and it, and it dominates everything because you don't have anything to do. It dominates your whole world. In real, in, when you get to be my age, you're like, oh, she's nice. Oh, I got to get home though because I got to think. <laughs> Maybe like, that's oh, why you single, Sean. That'd be nice, but oh, I got to well, be see, up at like well, five see, in, in the morning In this movie, tomorrow. they don't do that. You know? they, I mean, they become friends and they have lives of their own and actually they kind of accidentally fall in love. Accidentally falling in love? Yeah. That's a fantasy no, too. No, no, no. See, you, you're just being cynical, man. That can happen. How, how could that not happen? I mean, how can you be? How can you can know for someone for like 20 years and then decide you're in love well, with them? First of all, they, they don't know each other for 20. Uh, hang on, hang on, hang on. They don't know each other for 20 years, Sean. They they met. They, how long? They met on it's a short a drive time. from. They met from Chicago to New York. They, they left college. They didn't know each other in college. They knew for each other for like 48 hours on a drive from Chicago to New York. 
they met on a plane about five years later. And then about five or six years after that, they met and became friends and were friends for like a year or so before they hooked up. All right. Well, but you know, if if you go into it with the intention of not being lovers, then then yeah, probably it would take that long because it would, you know. I don't know. I, scrubs. You ever watch well, Scrubs? Yeah, but that does that shows. Yeah. I mean, I like it, but it's in not. The, I mean, it's not a good example. In the early days, that show was good, though. In That's the early cartoon. days, the show Probably just it just was on too long. But in the early days, oh, the I don't think the show was ever bad. I just don't, I mean, as far as the example oh, yeah, of the romantic bad. comedy that the, haven't you watched the latest delay series? Well, no, but there was a romantic. TV shows are a better example because they have to figure out how to keep the characters together, so you get to really analyze it from an anthropological standpoint. Because in movies, they just say, you know, I met you yesterday, then we had this crazy adventure, and then we had sex once, and now we're in love. You know, in movies, it's easy. <laughs> but in, in TV, you know, they have to keep putting them in situations, and they have to keep exploring it. So it's more interesting to see romantic comedy in TV because they can't blow their wads too early and they can't ruin the thing. And usually they do ruin it by not wanting to ruin it. And in that way, it's really more like real life than you would imagine anyway. But in Scrubs, he, you know, obviously falls for the girl from Roseanne early on, like in the first minute, because that's the whole story. And he kind of says, yeah, the later one. And he, kind of says you know there's a rule where when you're you you get together with a girl and you think there might be a romantic element you have to kiss her within like 48 hours or that's <laughs> it or you're friends forever <laughs> there's sort of an element to that you know that that's true not the 48 hours necessarily but there is a sort of time limit where when two people get together they define their relationship as being either romantic or not romantic. And it may not happen within 48 hours, but it happens very quickly. Because because love is based on passion, and passion is impulsive. The, the passion is not love, and you know the passion can fade away, and then there's no love there, but, but the passion has to be there at first. I don't think you're going to like what I'm going to say next, Sean. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to care either way. <laughs> I predict that. Say, say ben and it. I were friends a year what? before we got together. Well, that, that, that came down to um, that. It, it always comes down to other things. It's difficult to simplify. We were both with other people, and it sort of you know. I think there's a lot of other elements. You can't just say people can't be friends or whatever. Well, that's different too, because then then it's not necessarily a matter of whether the spark is there. There's a matter that social mores are in the way. So there are other elements there, but then you're you're feeding into the romantic comedy thing because that may happen where that something could happen, but you deny it because you're with someone else. And that's what romantic comedies are about. They're about they always have to have that somebody else be flawed. That was never an element of our friendship. Well, in a in a romantic comedy, in a romantic comedy, if you're going to get with someone, you know, and you love them from like the second you see them, and even if you're like with someone else, you're just like, oh, I have to deny this other person or whatever. But it doesn't always happen like that in real life. Sometimes you have to grow into a place where you're ready to be together with someone else. Sometimes you aren't ready to be with someone when you're younger. Well, well Harry right. Met Sally is well, number six on AFI. When Harry Met Sally works. Well, you just said it was one of your favorite movies ever, so let's hope it's your, hmm. it's your number one 
romantic I can't comedy. say this my number one because I have a couple others that are really oh good. Oh God, what's your others? Mm-hmm. List them. Okay, well, list them and, I, and I'll give you my opinion, and then Lynn will blow me completely out of the. <laughs> well, okay, so, so now <laughs> we're going to go into a couple of of, of of British comedies, which it, I mean, just based on my experience, the Brits make the best romantic comedies around. They they do I'll make agree good with ones. That. Yeah. Because I love Love Actually. I know it's a Christmas well, movie. Well, too, Love but it's Actually is actually probably comedy. my contender for I, Love Actually and Notting Hill. Uh, I actually really like Notting yeah, Hill. I actually am a big even though it has Julia Roberts and Hugh Grant. It's, it's quite a good movie. I like Notting Hill. It was a, I, haven't I seen didn't that like one. it. It wasn't my favorite, but I liked it. But the oh, one I'm talking like about right now is Four Weddings and a Funeral. I you, haven't seen it. Oh, you never seen Four Weddings and a Funeral? Oh, God. I never saw it, and she didn't well, like it. Okay. Well, anyway. Uh, four, well, awesome let me talk discussion. about it. A <laughs> uh, four Weddings and a Funeral stars Hugh Grant. Uh, he's kind of this guy who is always like the he best man guy. or something at, at weddings. 27 yeah. dresses. Huh? 27 dresses. What? <laughs> what? Like, in, like in 27 dresses, yeah. Kind of, yeah. It's sort of a... 27 dresses oh, is, a bad co- is a bad copy of this movie. Um, but... Uh, well, that's because it's got Catherine Heigl um, in it and she's terrible. Yeah, no, I try. I, I try yeah, to like she, Catherine she Heigl, but I can't up. because her movies are crap. But, uh, uh, but anyway, um, this is a Nick Hornby book. It is. Notting Hill. Oh, Notting Hill. Anyway, Four Weddings and a Funeral. He what we're talking wrote, about here is. <laughs> oh, the other thing. Well, it took me a while to remember Nick Hornby's <laughs> name. Sorry. Um, but anyway, you know, he meets an American girl. They connect, disconnect, connect, disconnect over the course of attending four weddings and a funeral. So I'll just leave it at that. So, ah. uh, and this one also does have part, you know, uh, of a formula, you know, the, uh, the jilting at the, at the altar that, that happens in this movie. I, and what's going on with this, you know, so he robs her from another wedding or what? Well, he, okay. At wedding number one, he meets the American girl, Paid by Andy McDowell, who she's the worst part of the movie. She's I don't, I don't like her performance at all in this movie. Oh, she's terrible. Yeah, she's terrible in the movie. But the, that's probably but why the, I didn't like the movie because I thought she was terrible. Yeah, she was, but uh, but the movie I thought was good. Anyway, um, uh, she meets he meets the American girl. Poor Andy and, McDowell. You know, there's all kinds of funny things that go along with that. Uh, they have a one night stand, but she goes back to America. Uh, in wedding number two, um, they meet again. But she's engaged to be married to some other guy. But you know, mm. she hangs out with with uh, Hugh Grant and uh, I think I said Ewan McGregor before. I meant Hugh Grant. Uh, I think you said oh, Hugh I? Grant. Oh, okay. That's what I heard. Anyway, um, uh, so you know, he goes with her and picks out wedding dresses and all this, you know the romantic comedy things. And you know, when he hmm. tells her that she loves, is there a montage? Uh, probably. Oh, yeah. There's a montage where she's trying on wedding Let's dresses. Hope. You know, you got got to have that. Got to have a montage in a romantic comedy. Um. So anyway, wedding number three is her wedding to this other guy. Okay. So, uh, you know, he's dealing with all the issues of that. Uh, and during the course of this wedding, one of his best friends oh. ends up having a heart attack and dying on the dance floor. And the wedding is your grand wedding. And the fourth wedding is where they no. get married? Yeah, the f- go on. Hugh, Hugh Grant's getting married decides... in the fourth wedding. Huh? 
So Hugh Grant's getting married. Yeah, to Hugh someone Grant's else. getting married to someone else at the at the in the oh, last. Oh really? Room. Oh my right, god! Because he's kind of given up. You know, he's he realizes he's never going to be with her. So this is four weddings, a funeral, and and two divorces. Uh, required. Well, not, well for this film one divorce because they never make they never get married in the, in the second wedding. So, hence the jilted at the altar. You know, the the oh, American geez. girl shows back up, tells Hugh that she's broke up with her husband, and now he's all confused and conflicted. You know, comedy ensues. Uh, he. Why are all romantic comedies about how people don't know how to pick the people to love in the first place makes you think, you know, it all sounds like all romantic comedies seem to be based around a fear of actual commitment. Yeah. Because when you're about to marry someone and then you're like, oh, this person's sexier and more it's like, yeah, now, you know what you never see is a sequel to a romantic comedy. You know why? Because they broke up. You cynical bastard. That's what happened. (laughs) Cynical. Anyway. Andy McDowell. Yeah, I'm cynical, but you guys leave people at the altar for a stranger, and that's romantic. That's that's a perfectly beautiful idea. He's not a stranger. He's in love philosophy. with the other girl. Then why was he ever getting because married? Because she married to somebody else. else. So he's like, well, I'm- so he just has to get married because he doesn't love somebody. That doesn't mean he has to get married. Why do you have he to get married? He doesn't need to be world? married. This is a whole different. This is a whole different conversation. Why do you have to get married just because you didn't find the person you love? Why do you have to get married anyway? You don't. You don't have to get married. This isn't about real life. This is a romantic comedy, okay? Romantic no, comedies and, and ideals life. about That's real life are formed by the media that we consume, Greg. This is why I think romantic comedies are dangerous because they give people a mistaken idea of what love yeah. is supposed to be, and then people get married to the wrong people because they think you're supposed to get married. I'm sure that happens. At yes, you know, I'm sure that exactly. happens. You know what I like better as a movie that also had Andy McDowell in it is Groundhog Day. There's a romantic movie for you. That was a decent movie. That that was that was kind of more realistic. More I was making life. a list before this show, to be honest with you. And I realized that the list of romantic movies that I put together, you could call them romantic comedies, but they're not quote-unquote romantic comedies. They all are romantic movies, but they have, instead of being romantic comedies like you normally see, they all have some kind of fantastic element. And Groundhog Day is one of those movies. Yeah, that's the... That's the other aspect that I was talking about before, the, the thing that you have to put into the romantic comedy to make it interesting, otherwise it is just simply formula. Yeah, and I think that this actually works because if you don't put this, there's always a romantic foil, which is someone they have to break up with or someone that turns out to be a schlub or you know some stupid, boring – I walked so see, in I would argue on that like three of my female friends comedy. one time watching this Patrick Dempsey movie, oh, Maid of Honor, I think Patrick it's called. Dempsey. That's just my best oh, friend going over again. Oh, my God, Which is also terrible. a bad movie. It may be the epitome of horrible romantic comedy. I mean, literally, he's like riding a horse <laughs> into the Scottish temple where he's temple, well, cathedral, whatever, where she's about to marry the dude from Rome. And the only thing that makes the oh, movie good. work at all is afterwards <laughs> the guy does just does kind of beat him up a little. But the whole time you're like, God, I hate all of you. This is horrible. So much money was spent on bringing everyone to the ancestral home, and then this one guy that she invites, she doesn't even have any other friends here. And of course, like, no, I just have one male friend. It'll be fine. You okay, I, if you guys are just going to bitch because you're both cynical bastards, <laughs> then let's not talk about this because 
It's not this really is a terrible I mean, because movie, Greg. Are you defending Maid of Honor? I'm defending Maid of Honor. I'm defending romantic comedies. Maid of Honor is a terrible movie. Well, romantic comedies could work, but they're going to have to set the bar higher. Yeah, I mean, but you they can't are say fantasies. Romantic These comedies are work fantasies. They're, they're movies for crying out loud. A, I mean, they're not. The they're nature not, of the fantasy not meant was to be what makes real it world wrong. stuff. <laughs> I fantasize that I'm going to promise to spend my life with someone and then ditch them at the altar in front of their family for another guy. <laughs> That's a fantasy. It, it is a fantasy. No, These things that, are all that's fantasies. An, that's an improper these, fantasy. These movies are all fantasy. That's why I mean, my best friend's wedding ended no, a little bit. No, Mannequin is a fantasy. I've sculpted the perfect woman out of plastic, and then somehow she came to life, and it all worked out. That's a romantic comedy I can get behind. That's fantasy. Pretty woman. That's pretty so, woman, so, Okay, so you have to have science yeah, fiction in your... You, you, you like your romantic comedies with a, with a dose of science fiction or fantasy. If there okay. has... I think they probably work with the fantasy element because otherwise the fantasy element that's introduced. And I can understand why you like mannequins. I'm with someone by the way. that's you, not worthy. Yeah, you know, we talked about that before. <laughs> yeah, because I like mannequin and I have a mannequin. Because I can't talk back and reject exactly, me. That's the chocolate you know, and the peanut butter. You know the real so doll fixation and all that it makes perfect sense if you think about it. Really. You know what I think is a great romantic comedy or movie? I don't know if it's a comedy. It's Xanadu. You remember Xanadu? Vaguely. Kind no. of a musical. Oh, vaguely. But I was about to. Oh, I will drive to Savannah to fight you to defend Patrick Dempsey's honor. But I don't remember. Sanity sounds. No, like a I remember it. Movie. She's a muse. She's a Greek muse. You know, I don't remember like what all happens, but I know the. the yeah, she's the, I thought you were going to bring up uh, mannequin, John. Yeah, yeah. I thought we we're going in the mannequin direction. Another yeah, romantic comedy with a fantastic. I brought up. I mentioned mannequin. Uh, there's more. Uh, there's more to the story. To I mention bet there's more to your story, I mannequin. Said it all. It's Pygmalion. He made a he made a sculpture. He fell in love with it. It came to life, and they fell and then, then they lived happily ever after. That's mannequin. It's a modern day That's Pygmalion. That's not what happens in Pygmalion. That's not what happens in Pygmalion. Well, because it's Pygmalion as a romantic comedy. <laughs> Pretty Woman as well. This is supposed to be the same thing. It's a, exactly, Pretty Woman. Yeah, because Pretty Woman is a My Fair Lady kind of story where I just find her, you know, diamond in the rough, and I teach her, you know, to not make. Whooping noises. It's actually she's it's a prostitute. Totally she's not a real woman. Do I have to teach her how to be rich? Because there's actually a horse race sequence They're in my fair lady. They're both based on Pygmalion. They're both based on Pygmalion. Is there a That's horse racing sequence in in Pygmalion? I don't know. Because there's literally a scene in My Fair Lady where he takes her to the horse races to show her off. And then she starts Maybe that's just a symptom horses. of the movie thing so. about making someone rich, and that means you make them a better person. There is. No, it's so, in the movie. No, no, in something, I can't remember what happened. She ends up going to the underworld, right? And he has to go get her. That's obvious. That's the actual Greek myth, but Pygmalion, the play, is pretty much just a My Fair Lady without the songs. Oh, okay. Right? And why would we be watching it without the songs, really? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So anyway, so, I don't know why so I'm going to the matter of romantic comedies, but here I am. So, talking what? of speaking, yeah, you're saying we're cynical. Mm. We're talking about how we like my my no, fair lady. I, I like, like my, my fair, fair lady. That's I a romantic my fair lady. I, I honestly don't. Re- I know I've seen it, but I can't remember much about <laughs> it. I need like, to... You don't like uh, Audrey Hepburn's accent? Is that the problem? Who me? Yeah, I thought Audrey Hepburn was annoying in it. No, me. I thought Audrey Hepburn was annoying I in it, and her. I will say I'm a huge Audrey Hepburn fan. My favorite, one of my favorite movies is Breakfast at Tiffany's, which is also a romantic comedy. But in that, I think she was annoying. Well, she she tries to do like oh, a cartoon yeah, thing. Oh yeah, and that's a real good movie, one too. My Fair Lady, doesn't she? 
It's true, and they wanted like Julie Andrews in it, but the studio went with Audrey Hepburn because she was a movie star. But I love Audrey Hepburn, and I do like her. In we can talk movie. about Breakfast at Tiffany's if you like, Greg. That's a good one. But I, I, I agree that I am a huge fan of Breakfast at Tiffany's, and I find that to be kind of a, a realistic, well, it is maybe a little party. too cynical, but it is a realistic sort of romantic comedy too. Yeah. Because it's about it I, I really like that movie, people who find each other. Had a little bit of singing in it. And um, had a lot of really funny, but, really, really funny, um, just stuff, <laughs> random stuff happens. Like the party scene. <laughs> so funny. Good moments. A, a little acerbic, yeah. I mean, it, well, it's Truman Capote's, like, sort of, you know, a little bit of an indictment on high society, because she's like this bumpkin who becomes the belle of the ball in high society. So it, it's a little bit interesting. Oh, my God. But what are you going to do, Greg? Mm-hmm. I have liked the invention of lying. That's another one that has a fantasy element. Well, I'll say, but uh, I think you, you like science no, fiction no. and fantasy films. You don't like romantic comedies. Well, I like romance in movies. Every movie, if you think about it, has romance of some sort. Even action flicks, you know. Yeah, but I'm not talking about that's that's obligatory though. But the romantic element of a movie like The Invention of Lying is integral to the story because that's what the, that's what mm-hmm. drives the story. That's what he wants is to to get the love of this girl. That's the 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 actual that's the centerpiece of the story. It's not like in an action movie where you just get two people together because that's what you do. It is an actual romantic movie. So, okay, so name how you like these movies about people who leave people at the altar and that makes you a romantic and I don't like them and that makes me a cynic. Let's continue that uh, that debate. Because you're applying it to the real world. Yes, it's a horrible thing. It would be a horrible thing if it happened in real life. But, you know, this is a movie. So you're and, saying and that romantic movies should contain things that would be horrible in real life, but acceptable in the context Every other of the movie in the world does. Every other action movie where you see somebody get shot in the throat, we think it's great. And then they, you know, if we saw it in real life, we'd be, we'd be horrified. I guess it's true, but we're not basing life decisions on what we well, see in action Well, neither are we movies. in romantic comedies. You shouldn't. I don't know. I think the ideal that people make romantically does come from these kinds of what, what they learn from these well, then romantic they're stupid movies. and they shouldn't, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about whether or not romantic comedies So you are don't good like them not. because you find them romantic. You like them because you find them deeply entertaining. I find them entertaining. Yeah. So? And so the romantic element is irrelevant. The romantic element of a romantic comedy is irrelevant to me? That's what I'm asking. You just said that it shouldn't be appreciated as romance. So Greg is still hoping he might find that perfect man to sweep him off his feet. Okay, Sean, that doesn't make him a bad person. Just because he's looking for his perfect man. Just because I'm looking for my perfect... Who's looking for the perfect man? <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Aren't we all? Which one of us is gay, Greg? Sean, Sean's going to build his perfect woman someday. Yeah, out of plastic. I'm sure, sorry, Greg, if we're coming off as cynical. I actually had a list of things that, you know, a critique, a proper critique of what makes our romantic comedies die, in my opinion, in bad ones. And what makes them good in the good ones? How about we do something like that? Okay. Well, I would say okay. that one of the things that always annoys me when I'm watching a romantic comedy that I don't like is that the side characters often end up being more interesting than the leads. They always try to make the lead characters some sort of representative or that sort of thing. And that makes them ending up really boring. But they, they have been the comedy in somehow. So they make these really, really funny side characters. And you're just wishing they would make the whole movie about the side characters and just miss out those romantic leads. You know, I think that's because they write those characters against formula. It kind of like uh, Meshach Taylor in Mannequin. <laughs> yeah. 
you want to follow him around. Actually, you end up do following him around because they make a sequel and he's the only <laughs> do th- character. Hey, he's all over yeah. Mannequin 2. <laughs> what happened to me, Shock Taylor? I haven't seen him around in a long time. What was that one with Hillary Swank where her husband died? Remember that one? Hey. P.S. I Love You. Oh, yeah. That's not a romantic comedy. That's a good movie. Yeah, and that's like a, a, a real kind of a resonating sort of emotion. I like that movie when I watched it alone, but when I watched it with other people, I didn't like it as much. Oddly. Well, I don't like people seeing me crying. <laughs> that's probably what it is. Yeah, there's that. I did cry when I watched that What's movie. What's the name of the actor who plays the guy who dies? Oh, the comedian? Yeah. Jerry Butler. No. Oh, I oh, love you're him. right. It's, the comedian Jerry is Butler. his friend. Yeah, Jerry, Gerard Butler's in the, in the movie. Oh, right. Yeah, Gerard Butler's the guy who dies, but the comedian, the guy. Uh, is the friend that she hooks yeah. up with. He's also yeah, good. Yeah, he's also though. good. I, I like actually got a little bit confused because that guy dies in a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, he, <laughs> he, yeah, he died in Grey's Anatomy. He dies in Grey's Anatomy. He's he coming back as a dead guy. He died in. He dies in yeah. Supernatural. <laughs> Even in the Supernatural thriller, he's still yeah. the dead dad. So, yeah, he, he's, a, he's a professional dead guy. He dies He dies in The Watchmen. <laughs> yeah, as a matter of fact, he does. He's a, prof- he's a professional dead guy. Good God, this guy this guy will never be in a sequel. <laughs> so anyway. Unless they make P.S. I Love You too. <laughs> um, but I like that movie, and that movie had a really cute sort of thing where they, they almost hook her up with Harry Connick, and they sort of realized that that is not a, an appropriate, you know, like... Yeah, that was... Like, they sort of realized that that's, that's not happening. They didn't really like each other. It was like kissing my sister. Yeah, and I sort of appreciated that. <laughs> I thought that movie sort of brought it down to a level that, that I could that I could get behind but but the emotion was real and I still felt like that was a romantic movie that but it there was more real it was more realistic I didn't feel like smacking anyone in that movie maybe the mother Gerard Butler's been in some crap so, he has he certainly has comedies he really has well he likes to play the the roguish bad boy character and he's gotten in a bad habit of just signing on to any movie like bounty hunter is like yeah that looks great i'll act like a big stupid jerk and that that'd be great and people will see my range like this movie that he made with uh, was it who was even man people want to see your abs your range <laughs> i know well don't worry yeah just just make the spartan movies and stick with it take that show what movie was it he made where where he was like the Talk off the cuff, Howard Stern kind of guy, and he made yeah. Catherine Heigl in that one too. Yeah, um, I didn't watch that one. Yeah, that looked yeah, horrible. Yeah, and it's the same think. thing. I just say whatever I think. You know who else does those sometimes too? It's Hugh Jackman. Yeah, well, he I actually played like the exact either. same character. And I need to pull up the database. But he, uh, yeah, what was it that buying the cow movie? What was that? Yeah, called? the the Ashley Judd movie, but I forget what what it's uh it, well. Yeah, they didn't call it by any kill, but, uh, but yeah, it was him and Ashley Judd where they end up being roommates or something <laughs> stupid. Don't get me wrong, Ashley Judd dances around <laughs> in her underwear in that movie, which is top flight. I know, it's a cute deal, but it's like, are you really thinking, like, I don't know. And they end up, and, and she's like in love with poor Greg Kinnear is like the tool bag in like every one of these movies. Even in uh, like Loser, they even in that uh, 
Who's the kid from American Pie that's in all those movies? Oh, that the guy. Ugly Truth. Guy. Jason Biggs. That's his name. Captain Heigl and Gerard Butler. Yeah. The, the Ugly Truth. Uh, yeah, that yeah, looks terrible. Even that By the Cow movie. I, I should probably, probably say at this point that there are, I, I'll agree, there are a lot of bad romantic comedies, but there are a lot of good ones too. Well, you, the Tell list is one, short as to what you've mentioned. Well, what's a, what's another good one? Uh, well, we could talk about Love Actually now, which is probably well in my mind, again, it's not the formulaic one. Newest. I it's won't argue against Love Actually. I enjoy that movie a great deal. Even as a Christmas movie, I'm not offended by that movie. That's true. It actually looks at love from a lot of different angles, you know, in a lot of different ways. It's a very sort of true movie. It's not a formula movie at all, and I really enjoy it. even down to like seeing how little kids sort of approach the concept of love. It's a very sweet movie. It happens to take place around Christmas. Right. Yeah, I really like that movie. Yeah, I once listed that as one of my top ten Christmas movies because that's one of the few movies that takes place around Christmas yeah. that I can stand. Actually, love actually has kind of even created its own formula now. They, they're trying to copy it. They, they did this Valentine's Day movie last year, which apparently was... Valentine's Day. I would probably watch that movie. There's some people in it like, you know, I think it's the same people that made Love actually made that movie, The Holiday. Oh, um, with uh, Kate Winslet. It's got a bunch of different... It's like Jack Plack and Jude Law. And oh, Kate yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, saw I, I, saw that one. I saw that. That was That's right. a pretty cute movie. Hmm. Pretty but but then again, you know, it's, it's a, it's a ridiculous concept. People trade houses, stuff like that. People don't do that really stuff. I mean, you know, but, you know. Yeah, not not that much in today's but, world. But, I might do that. But it was a fun movie. The- I mean, I, I, you know, I enjoyed it. It was neat to see uh, uh, Jack Black as a uh, romantic lead. Yeah, he should stick towards, I mean, I know he takes what they offer him because they're not offering him a lot of romantic comedies, but he should stick... To, to low-key stuff because I swear I'd let you hit me in the face with a shovel before I'd watch Gulliver's Travels. Yeah. Oh, yes. I do like Jack Black in other I, And I love Jack Black. I do, but I like him God, in King that Kong. horrible. Jason Siegel's in that movie. He's awesome. It's just... Oh, I'll probably see it on HBO one day and be like, that's actually pretty funny. But right now, I'm looking at it going, oh my God. What happened? That movie, seeing just seeing the poster that reminds me of if you're watching Thirty Rock and uh, Tracy Jordan's dressing room, they show like the posters of the movies he's in, and they made up these stupid movies. That's what Gulliver's Travels looks like. Like you were making a fake movie poster, <laughs> you know, like Jack Black in Gulliver's Travels. You're like, really? I don't know. I mean, you know, he's he's living the dream, and he, if they offer him a leading role in anything, he's going to take it. Why wouldn't he? You know, I'm not holding it against him. AFI has Sleepless but in still, Seattle at number just, 10 on their top 10 list. Of romantic comedies? Yeah. Go figure. Oh, God. I don't even. People love Sleepless in Seattle. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it is because it's the quintessential romantic comedy because the characters don't even have to meet to fall in love. They're so destined to be together. They don't even have to see each other. And they're in love. And I really think maybe that's part of the reason that it really sticks in my craw because, you know, I'm a believer in destiny. I do. But I feel like more often than not, destiny is is used as an excuse. Look, Greg, don't get off in the unicorn's faces, all right? (laughs) 
Yeah, because I'm. I, Leave the unicorns yeah, alone. I, I believe in in completely unrealistic fantasies. <laughs> when I want, I just want my the romantic comedy to have some kind of conflict or, or drama that takes it away from being the same formula over and over and over again. It's a romantic comedy, and that's why when there's going to be a lot of funny stuff, and then they fall in love at the end. I mean, that's they're not. That's funny, a romantic comedy. The right? love isn't real. Yeah, but you want to at least believe that they're falling in love, you know? I, I don't I really think care. I believe that the pair are falling in love when they didn't actually ever see each other apart from once across the street. Or I want to, I want to watch two shallow com- commitment phobic people fall in love with each other, where they only have to commit to each other for the next two seconds of the well, film. No, well, no, I mean, roll. don't don't put me in it's a like, position. Yeah, I bet you when she met Bull, well, I bet when she got together with Bill Pullman, it ended with a big kiss too. <laughs> But now, years later, when they're about to get married, everything he does reminds well, her. Don't like, put oh, me in the position of defending Sleepless in Seattle because I don't like that movie. You've been in a relationship with people. Well, you're married, of course. You've been in a real relationship, but everybody's been in relationships of any kind, you know. And you know, the longer you're in it, the more. And this isn't true just a romantic relationship. Sometimes you do this with your friends, where it's, after a while you start noticing every irritating thing about mm-hmm. them. <laughs> After a while, you start to secretly hate them. <laughs> a little. You never say anything, and you know it's not their fault. But, but that's the way all relationships sort of breed in. What do you mean you never say anything? That's animosity. the cornerstone of all good relationship fights. And the, and that's okay. But romantic comedies sort of try to sell you on the idea that these little things that start to annoy you are reason enough. Yeah, he's like, got is allergies. Bill a bad guy. He got allergies. Yeah, he's got allergies, or he's like trying to wipe something off her cheek or some stupidness or whatever, you know. Well, he's obviously a lame idiot. You know, but if you're with someone long enough, they all lose their luster. They all start to just become a series of annoying idiosyncrasies. But, you know, you realize that those are the things that you really do love about them. And not that that's the reason to look for the, the sexier, more interesting thing. Or the, the, the mystique. Mystique always fades. Because the purpose of a relationship is getting to know someone. And after a while, you've, you've done it ad nauseum. You know everything about them. It's horrible. But that, that's the point. Then you, you're supposed to learn that stuff and realize that that's what you really enjoy about them. Not despite those things. Because people, you know, that's the, the, people are the sum of their idiosyncrasies. They're, they're the sum of the little things they do. And so are relationships. Relationships aren't made of big moments. They're made of, like, lots and lots of small ones. Like in Hellboy. Hellboy, exactly. one of the great romantic comedies. It's like they say yes. in Hellboy. You like someone for their strengths and you love them for their weaknesses. <laughs> I actually do like the romance of Hellboy more than most movies. Cause there, there it does have a good romance storyline there, doesn't it? You know, the, 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 that's a sort of fanboy element to a romantic story where he's like a, feels like he's just a big freak and he's in love with the girl and she's perfect to him, but she, then really it turns out she's a freak too. <laughs> so that is a romantic kind of story. Yeah, you know what other romantic comedy that I like? Okay. Bride and Prejudice. Or pretty much anything based on Pride and Prejudice or anything Jane Austen. Because she is Pride the quintessential romantic comedian. Pride and Prejudice is a fun story. I really like that, that, that story, um, actually. And I, and I didn't Pride and Prejudice. to. I mean, yeah, okay. Well, there's dancing. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm down with there's that. There's singing and dancing in Bollywood. I think it was a really, really fun version of Pride well, and Prejudice. That's a very simplified And the lead dancers are really good. 
but the idea that it's not that they're bound to other people. It's that, you know, he has like a personality issue. It takes a while to get over. <laughs> yeah, there's that. And she has to realize that's a, that's a, a, a different kind of romantic formula where she realizes that he's like a better person on the inside <laughs> than what he's externalizing. That's a simpler concept. Someone like you is the name of that movie, uh, the Mad, the Cow movie. <laughs> okay, he just started saying "someone like you." Like, what are you, what are you trying to say? <laughs> yeah, deeply, deeply flawed on the outside, Sean. Hmm. Yeah, well, I won't argue that. Um, another movie that I like—I guess it could be considered a romantic comedy—that um. Actually, probably a lot of people don't know about it. It's a movie called Beautiful Girls. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Uh, yeah, and that, that's got a Timothy Yeah, Hutton he plays a guy it. that comes back to his hometown. He's getting ready to make the decision about whether or not to get married to a girl that he knows back in New York. And uh, goes back and hangs with his old buddies for several days. And, and a lot of that is about, they talk about the fantasy of romance. That It's... Because that movie is less of a romantic movie and it's more of a movie about growing up. Because there is a, a strange arc in the movie where he has he develops this sort of friendship with this young girl, Natalie Portman, who's like about 13 mm -hmm. in the movie. And there's nothing awkward. I mean, there's nothing inappropriate in that. But you can tell that the part of the, the reason for it is that he's sort of gravitating towards his, his youth. And that's really what more because it turns out he has like this really awesome girlfriend, and he's wrestling with whether or not to be with her. And then they all meet her, and they're like, but "What's wrong about, with you?" Well, but it's about I guess what what we've been talking about when it comes to romantic comedies is like you know we're all hoping for that for that perfect situation, and and you know this guy discovers that it's not really there. I mean, he's, it seems to me like he's got a pretty good you know pretty good arrangement, but. He's wondering if that's the best that it's going to be. Yeah, well, because he's stuck on this fantasy. His friend, who's like Michael Rappaport, has like you know, swimsuit model posters on his wall, and they're like, "What's wrong with you?" <laughs> you know, because he's like, you know, he's in his thirties. But at the same time, he seems to have it together. But he can't seem to reconcile himself with the idea that he's going to end up with this this seemingly perfect girl that he's fallen in love with because he can't give up on the idea that he can do even better. Oh, I just came up with another um, romantic comedy cliche. Sometimes played well, sometimes not played so well. It's when they hate each other and they end up falling in love by the end. Oh, yeah. And yeah. they always say, this isn't your usual romantic comedy. We hate each other at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> That makes me, but I actually believe that because of what I already just said. I think, you know, indifference is the opposite of love. You know, when people can't stand each other, usually at least there's there's an emotional connection there. Sometimes it's that, legitimately that you bother hate. enough to hate somebody. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I can kind of see that. But yeah, I mean, but you're you're de you're investing emotionally in a person to yeah. hate them. So, but what made me think about that is I'm flipping through Netflix. And I found the movie called Two Weeks Notice that has Sandra Bullock and uh, Hugh Grant in it. And uh, uh, yeah. what was the one that had uh, Angelina Jolie and Ed Burns? In it? Oh, where she's blonde in the movie. That's what, a what cute is it with you and like, 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 she's gonna like die in the three something. movies you've named? The, the girls are all like journalists, and uh, 
you know, they're like flawed journalists. I, it's not me. It's that's the formula. It seems like every time, because I think romantic comedies, and I'll be mm-hmm. honest with you, this again make sort of leads to my argument that they're somewhat misogynistic. Is that I think they tend to attack women in career roles. They actually tend to single out women who are like driven and have ambition, and then separate that as being somehow a character flaw. Like, oh, well, they shouldn't be so much into wanting. So, but in all movies everywhere, men have careers. It's like it's never even mentioned. It's never even noticed. But in a romantic comedy, a woman who actually has like an ambitious career path is just – she's just dried up. Life or something like it. That's and and completely directional. Yeah, and these women in the movie, they never have boyfriends. Yeah, every time. Hmm. That is hmm. – that's why you see it in, in romantic comedies as much. I mean, well, as far as that's concerned, I mean, would you rather see a romantic comedy about, you know, a woman that's completely pathetic (laughs) or, you know, but they're not, they're not presenting them to be strong for that. They're presenting that as the, as what makes them wrong. It's a Scrooge-ish device. They're saying, see, you're headed down the wrong path. Not to say that you should give up everything, but even life or something like it, she actually hangs up the, the dream job and goes back to Ed Burns. That's like the concept of the show. That's the, the that is the, the thesis of uh, the two film. weeks notice is, isn't like that. Actually, you know, Sandra Bullock's the lead character in that movie and she actually plays. Uh, she falls in love with her boss. That's that's empowering. In two weeks notice, she just turns out to be in love with her boss. Well, She's in love with her boss. Yeah, her, but her, her boss is, is not is, is the flawed character. She's not. I mean, she's the one that kind of has it together. Yeah, but it doesn't make her a strong woman. The fact that she falls well, in love with her boss, who's like kinda, a, a you know, weak character, you, you give way to something. You know, you, you know, if you don't give way to to the feelings, then you're not going to fall in love. So, I'm just saying that in the case of romantic comedies, it always seems to target women having careers <laughs> specifically. Like, oh, well, she just doesn't know what she's doing. They all have names. You can never tell what movie you're talking about when you're talking about romantic comedies. Cause, and you're always on about how names are so important, but all romantic comedies have some kind of similar name. If they're not named after a song specifically, then it's just some innocuous phrase that has nothing to do with the movie and doesn't matter. <laughs> Sleepless in Seattle and When Harry Met Sally are good, exe- are good exceptions to that because they're both very specific. Really? Because I, I thought they're always named after bad puns. Well, that should be your first clue that you're about to watch a romantic, a bad romantic. They are, they're, they're always bad puns though, like Maid of Honor and Legally Blonde, and that, all all bad pun names. Well, actually, Legally Blonde Blonde's not as bad as some. I'd rather take Reese Witherspoon over a lot of these. people. I wouldn't necessarily call movies. that one a romantic comedy. I guess it would be, but well, I, the argument's made that it's not specifically romantic because it has a core story that is not a romantic story and it incorporates a romantic arc much the same way Well, it's a genres. chick flick anyway. Most people count chick flicks as romantic comedies anyway, even if they don't, yeah, they don't um, adhere that's to their traditions. That is true. I mean, when I look at the Wikipedia page for romantic comedy, it, it listed so many movies that I wouldn't class as a romantic comedy, like Princess Bride. That's not a romantic comedy. That's a storybook movie. Yeah, even though it is comedy and it is romance, but it's also an adventure yeah. film. Yeah, I guess anything that con- that that could but like Devil Wears Prada. That's not a romantic comedy. Ah, uh, the sure thing. Comedy. Remember the sure thing? That's an awesome movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you never saw that familiar. one? It's got John Cusack in it. And, I don't uh, think I've seen it either. Daphne Zuniga. 
Oh, yeah, early way Cusack. back. But it's, it's, I like the the early Cusacks he did with Savage Steve Holland, like Better Off Dead, yeah, and Crazy yeah. Summer. Those are the awesome Cusack. Cusack actually is probably one of the better known romantic comedy actors. He's awesome. I like John Cusack. He's cool. Yeah, because, well, I'll tell you, there's a good one. America's Sweetheart. Oh, that was a bad oh, one. Oh, that was a funny movie. Even had Julia Robertson. That was a bad one. I didn't like that one. I could watch really? that movie. I thought it was really funny. I, I enjoyed that I thought, um, what's her that name? Not Julia Roberts. The other one was really funny. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. I thought it had a lot of funny people in it. Billy Crystal's really funny. And Hank is Hank what's Azaria's the woman's name? in it. <laughs> I, yeah, I guess we're just not on the same page, Greg. <laughs> well, I knew that, but... What's the name of the girl in that one from Zorro? She's really Catherine funny. Zeta Jones. Yeah, Catherine Zeta Jones. Catherine Zeta Jones. She plays like I love a stuck the girl up from Zorro. Like she never made another movie. <laughs> <laughs> the girl from those phone commercials. What's her name? Well, she was really funny in that. Married it sort of excused having Julia Roberts yeah. in it. One of those Douglas people. <laughs> she married the guy from uh, Romancing the Stone. I just watched this, and and I love uh, Amy Adams. I oh, do. Yeah. I think she's okay. adorable. But and Enchanted is a mm-hmm. very fun kind of cute movie if you watch it. Is that what it's called? I hated that movie, Enchanted. I hated it. It was terrible. I thought it was very cute. Yeah, but I she didn't just like made a movie called Leap Year that was in every way a formula movie where it's like a planes, trains, oh, and automobiles. Oh, and she's always falling in the mud and stuff, and then they have to go to this old couple's house and. She keeps like, yeah, it's like romancing the stone or something where like they crash the car and she breaks mm-hmm. her shoes and she's trying to I like protect romancing her the stone. Romancing bag. <laughs> and she is, and romancing the stone is an awesome movie. That may be the best romantic comedy ever one. made. It is a good one. I, I saw Leap. I saw Leap I thought it was okay. Film. I didn't like the way it ended because it's it's cute enough, but it makes no sense in a real world. But it's you're, another one where she has, she's you're hung driven, up on how she's a career things, person, like, she has goals. In the real world. But, anyway. uh, but I, a movie should be a hyperbolic mm-hmm. representation of the real world. That doesn't mean it should complete, it deviate completely. The theme should be applicable to the real world. Obviously not the events, but the theme should be applicable to the real world. Mm-hmm. This is not so in romantic comedies. Because then this, you know, she wants to get a nice place to live. She has a nice job. She lives, She makes a lot of money. You know, she has goals. Then she goes to Ireland to propose to her own boyfriend because she thinks that's the only way that she can get him to marry her, which makes no sense because she's not a romantic in any way. So why would she care about the convention of this tradition? Then she meets up with this, you know, trash-talking, just sarcastic, sardonic, cynic guy who's also kind of cute but tough and then she finds out that he has this this hurtful past which always ends up happening where like the guys are like really too tough on the exterior and then she finds out that he's really because that happened in that Reese Witherspoon movie where she was a ghost you remember that one just like heaven just like heaven or something like that and that's not a bad movie it's not a bad movie but again, you know, she finds out that Mark Ruffalo lost his wife or, or fiance or something like that. And then she starts to kind of fall for him because he has now he has like a layered past where he's not just a jerk. Yeah, unlike her. You know, he's a jerk. You can She's work just a jerk on. anyway. And so, of course, she ditches in Leap Year, she ditches her douchebag boyfriend, who's the guy who plays the douchebag in everything now. 
I don't even know his name, but you just see his face show up. You're like, oh, God, here's that douchebag guy. And that would have been fine that this experience showed her that she didn't want to marry this guy. And that wasn't the future she wanted. But then she drops everything and goes to Ireland and proposes to this guy on, on a cliff. Or he does to her or something. Yeah, he proposes to her. And I'm like, you guys, I don't think have gotten sufficient closure in your previous relationships to make a... You know how boring a movie dramatic. that would be, though, if you watched them kind of, you know, get closure on their relationships? Yeah, but having... Well, no, but you don't have to have that. Having them be together at the end is sufficient. You don't have to have them get married. All you have to have is have them reconcile their their own personal differences and end in a kiss. That's it. That's all you need in a romantic movie. In fact, with all romance, drop the curtain as fast as possible because when you drop the curtain, the story's over and you can pretend it ended any way you like. Now, I, I am with you on that because uh, you can screw up a movie right at the end. And then Leap Year actually did that where she did go back and and propose to him and he leaves the room. I felt that that took it too like, far. What the hell? What happened there? You know, and then... She's about to walk out. Yeah. If you were going to leave the room to go get a, a wedding ring for a girl... say I'd be right back. <laughs> you might say, hold on a sec, I'll be right back. <laughs> She might think you go to the bathroom or something, but instead he just walks away. She's about to fly back to America. What if she got in the car before you found that <laughs> stupid ring? You don't know her phone number or anything. You just blew it. Adam Scott's the name of the douchebag in the leap year. This episode of TV Ate My Dinner is brought to you by Steven Seagal Lightning Bolt. Lightning Bolt, come on. Come on, baby. I just want you to get in this pool full of lightning bolt with me. I'm sorry, baby. I just got I got one swim and lightning bolt. That's <laughs> what I was watching Flesh Gordon this this weekend. Flesh Gordon is not a good movie, but there, but there is a funny moment at the end. The 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 claymation monster at the end is funny because he just talks like like Billy D. Williams. He's walking. Around, hey, baby. This is the Tower of Murder. This is where I hang out. That's just my favorite line from something now. This is Tower Murder. That's where I hang out. And the rapist robots are interesting. I'm not sure that's good, but it's an interesting concept. You're not sure if a rapist robot is good? Or not? (laughs) What I mean is I'm not sure if it's an appropriate (laughs) joke. I'm sure that a rapist robot is probably the worst thing you could have. That's like the the, the very that, that is right at the top of the list of the things I'm afraid will happen when we when we finally invent robots. Especially if they have. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Speaking about horrible things. Okay. Sean, we need to talk about the human centipede. <laughs> I don't think Greg wants no, to talk about that. No, I don't. talk about that later. He might have nightmares just for based on the, the. You haven't heard of this movie for real. This is starring Dieter Laser. I've heard about the movie, but I haven't seen it yet, and I want to hear what you think about it. <laughs> is this a horror movie? I, I would say that it's... Oh, oh God, we're going to describe it just for the benefit. Gretchen, get the kids away. <laughs> yeah, Gretchen. He's a warning for you, love. Here's the blurb. Yeah. Put the kids to bed. <laughs> it's like hostile at the premise where these two American girls who are uh, as, as so unbelievably stupid in the movie that you don't mind what happens to them. 
I mean, they do literally like they get a flat tire and they're like, what do we do? And the next thing you know, they're walking through the woods looking for civilization. You are on a road. What are you doing? But they find their way to the house of Dieter Laser, which is the name of the, the, the actor who plays the creepy bad guy. And he is creepy. He looks he looks like a Muppet, like creepy. He looks like he was sculpted out of creepy. <laughs> but he gives them water. And, of course, one of them drinks it, and then it's full of rohypnol, and she passes out, and the other one can't get her mobile. So the next thing you know, they're all – they wake up, and they're all strapped to gurneys, and he's like – kidnap this other dude and he's going oh, no. through this slideshow and that's the funniest part where he's like let me explain what i will do to you and he's like showing them these these hand-drawn slides of so what i do is i sew your mouth into his anus and then the third person into the second person is like why he's an ex-nazi scientist like he has to, to, be. to run the entire gastrointestinal tract from the first person through all three people that that is my scientific goal and the whole time, you wonder, what would that prove? So that's his whole thing. And yeah, it doesn't get any better than that. It's actually surprisingly not as graphic as you would think. They don't show as much stuff because the psychological element is enough to carry it. But it's, it's so horrible. Just the concept. So would you recommend it? But, uh, Obviously not to Greg. I, in the sense of a person that is amused by by that that level of bizarre, I would recommend it. We enjoyed watching it. it me and Tracy oh, and Dane watched that, and we all enjoyed watching it. For and, and it was everything we thought it'd be, except I was afraid it would go much further, which it didn't. So it's not too visually. Graphic, that's what I've been afraid of that it would be too graphic, and you would just. It's not visually graphic. I think they really – and I think what sells it, what makes it work is I think they realize that the concept is as, as, as much an atrocity as it needs to be. Just him explaining what's going on in the scenes where he's walking them around the yard. They don't show anything. He's walking them around the yard like teaching them how to, oh, yeah, how you, to move around. Exactly. Just, you like, know, yeah, there's – there's a pretty obvious A to B when you sew someone's mouth into someone's anus. You know exactly what the next scene's going to be. Oh. <laughs> so, so it delivers in that. <laughs> but the guy is so evil and the story's so pointless. Like, why is that his goal? Like, the, And the people are so stupid that it's, it's sort of a perfect storm of a, of a retarded B movie. And because it's so detached from anything real, you there's no empathy in the movie. You don't feel like horrified or disgusted because it's just it's completely like you're just it, it's so completely not real. You can't feel bad about it. As soon as you say someone sews someone's mouth with someone else's anus, people are either really in or really really out. <laughs> well, the worst part is where the one girl who's like sort of the main character when she tries to get away and he finally captures her, you're like you get to be the bee now. Oh. That's like the punishment because that's that's the worst that because that's yeah, that's on both ends. Like the A is like the number one spot. You're like I'll behave because I definitely want to be A. <laughs> and then C is not good, but B has both. <laughs> it's the worst. It's the worst idea. Like, you want to find the people who came up with the idea of the movie. Go, what is going on? What? How did you even manage? How did you think this up? Much less committed to paper. 
<laughs> but look online because Tosh has like an extended review of it where he only did a bit of it on his show, but Daniel Tosh on Tosh.0 did a review of it, and that's where I first heard about it. But I'm sure it's pretty funny. I'll have to see if that's still on Comedy Central's website. Because he did like I'm a 40-minute review, and they only showed a few minutes of it on the show. I'm actually kind of flipping through it now on Netflix streaming. <laughs> It, it's it builds up so much in concept that not only do you want to watch it, but you're almost actually relieved when you watch it. Like, oh, this wasn't as bad as it could have been. It looks really I, dumb. Well, I'm also quite fascinated to see where that story it's, can go. It, does, it doesn't go anywhere. That's what's. I mean, it's it's really just an experiment to see, like, well, what happens after I sew three people together? Oh, well, you know. <laughs> I can imagine that they survive very long. I wouldn't, I wouldn't imagine like I, w- I wouldn't do that experiment I'd be like no I reckon they'd probably die just a humiliation things don't work out <laughs> that's what Daniel Tosh would say do you really uh... want to survive at this point <laughs> see I just can't I mean that's really I guess what it boils down to is I just can't see how you guys would enjoy watching something like that I'm willing to own that that's the kind of absurdity I can actually get behind because it's so far gone that I enjoy it well, well you know taken from another see, angle that could be a romantic no comedy that's no less Greg. absurd than romantic comedies but they're boring formulas that sort of try to feed us behavior that, that's not healthy and, and and watch it and you know like and like anything that happens in a horror movie is acceptable behavior. No, but it reinforces good versus evil. We never once think that Dieter Laser is doing the right thing. He's it's never presented as proper behavior. So it reinforces good versus evil. I'm like, oh well, that's that's a hundred percent wrong. It puts me back on track. Most horror movies actually teach you that it is bad to be involved romantically with anyone because in most horror movies, if you are romantically involved with someone, there will be death. Well, there, horror movies make effective cautionary tales, whereas I think that more romantic <laughs> yeah, comedies could so probably... They're killed usually with a chainsaw. Exactly. Well, no, they show you exactly what those girls did that ended up being that way. Like, There's a lot of things they did wrong that could have been avoided. One is just because your car, you get a flat tire, that doesn't mean that you're completely stranded. Should they look in the back of the car and see if there was a death. bear? Second, if you are stranded and and you're afraid, don't walk through the woods. And if a guy that looks like Dieter Laser answers the door, that's not the guy. Everything he does is creepy. Don't drink water that somebody like that gives you. There's lots of good lessons you can learn from Human Centipede. Whereas I already know I don't like Patrick Dempsey. Well, that's a good life lesson for women everywhere is pour your own drinks, women. Pour your own drinks, women. We all need to learn it. Although it's not just women, it's also men. I mean, I've seen hard candy. This is Pour your own drinks, people. This is why women probably like bars and in a lot of cases, too. At least you can see your own drink get poured. (laughs) That's another good argument for that. You don't want, like, some creepy weirdo going back in his kitchen and bringing you water. That tastes oh, if the water tastes funny, don't drink it. You know rape drug, yes? <laughs> All right, whatever. <laughs> That's as good as stopping. Points. I think so. I think I've had enough. <laughs> if we haven't, if if a conversation that led to human centipede didn't cover the entire gamut of romantic comedy, 
Well, to me, that's what makes a good movie, and any movie that employs fantasy elements has to have a core story that's not fantasy. Because the fantasy elements should be metaphor, you know, they, they, they're the popcorn, they're what make it entertaining, but... But your core character relationships should be, you know, analogous to, to reality. I think r romantic comedy should be that way, too. They should be analogous to reality. That's my argument against. I don't believe that, that the concepts and the, and the behavior and the, and the thematic elements that they employ, the, the morals of the stories, I don't think give us anything that we can relate to something we should follow in real life. I think the fantasy supports bad behavior by by sort of justifying it, it rationalizes it by giving it a sort of core justification underneath. And I don't agree with that. That's what I see a lot in in typical romantic comedies that I don't like. It's not the idea of romance that I don't like. Just marriage. Well, pointless marriage. I don't have a problem with marriage either. Get married. But not the idea that you have to get married and not the idea that you're bound to get married unless you find somebody better, especially in the worst romantic comedies. I don't like these these big sweeping moments where they introduce, where they interrupt the nuptials because that would just be a, a horrific to happen in real life. I've always wanted that to happen at a wedding that I was at. I've always wanted to go to a wedding and have someone run in and say, no, but it's never happened at any wedding I've been at. She's supposed to be with me. Sometimes I just run into churches and do that. Run into a random church. No, marry me instead, random stranger. <laughs> yeah. She's like, who are you? It's like, who am I? Um, you were asking who I was back in um, Paris. I'm going to shoot you all now. What? Do -do -do -do. <laughs> thanks. Yeah, thanks for ruining my life for a joke. Well, then you would be a douchebag. I'd laugh. We're <laughs> <laughs> very douchebaggy to do. All right. Well, apparently the new year is just going to bring in very long episodes. This is only an hour and a half. That's not long for us. I don't even care. I did, yeah, I didn't expect rom coms to be such a heated topic, to be well, honest. Well, just, you know. So. You know. So there you go. Really? That's why I picked it. <laughs> I, I thought it would be. <laughs> no, you felt so strongly. Well, I now, you, now you know. I, I guess we just, I guess we just like different types of shit. <laughs> I guess you, you talk one more bad word about Patrick Dempsey, I'll put your face in that fire. <laughs> you like, you like horror movies? You, you like to rot your brain you. with that crap? I guess I like to rot my brain with romantic comedy. Don't worry. Well, and, and that, that is a valid argument, actually, because everyone that that falls under guilty pleasure kind of stuff. And and I actually do watch a lot of romantic comedies. I just don't like those. I don't. Kind of I don't ones watch a lot of romantic comedies, about. and I don't like them. Just flat. <laughs> so there we go. The gamut has been run. But if you want to listen to more episodes of TV Ate My Dinner, you can listen to TVAteMyDinner.com. We have not only our audio Watch episodes, but there are links to our new oh. videos there. So that's exciting. You can see our video series <laughs> with Dane. Uh, but you can also, on YouTube.com slash DarkCrazyTV is where we have all of our videos. You can check that out if you like. We have just relaunched the darkcrazy.com website. I'm very pleased with it. There's lots of new content. We're recycling some of the older content on it too, but 
but I feel safe in that that people haven't seen it. But some fun links and fun videos. We're doing movies from the vault and Johnny Drama Awards and stuff. So if you want to catch up on some of the older stuff or, or catch some of the new ones we're putting out, I'm putting those on the Dark Crazy site. Uh, what else? We're on Twitter now. So you can follow us on Twitter. You've tweeted like 120 tweets. You've got more tweets than podcasts right now. Just tweet random shit. Well, it's a tweet's 140 characters. So the tweet's like me saying one thing. So that's easy. I'm, well, we're out on the web. I don't know how. I can't say that I don't believe in the internet when um, that's all. Of, the internet's all I am. If I, I hope, the, I hope the internet lasts because that's going to be the only trace of me when I'm gone. Is these things. So you can follow me on Twitter and all my hilarious comments. Tweets. You want? You, you really want tweets to be the only thing that left of you after you die? My tweets. <laughs> Every one of them is like a tiny little epitaph. <laughs> So when I start talking about Flash Gordon and stuff, I'm like, oh, well, what if that's the last thing I ever said? (laughs) That's something to think about. You can also follow us on Facebook. We've been on Facebook for quite a while. Well, I hope you bring this episode out on Valentine's Day, Sean, so that we can can say that uh, not only have we had a a terrible diatribe about Christmas, but now we also hate love as well. All right. Good night, folks. All right. Well, we will see you next time. Hopefully this may actually be a... (laughs) tune in for some more episodes more more heated debates coming I think hopefully in in very very soon we'll have Tracy coming back to talk language or the evolution of language and some of the continuation of some of the topics we talked about so that should be fun as well and we'll have some more people down the road alright well I'll talk to you next time in the meantime my name is Sean and I'm Lynn I'm Greg And we'll see you next time. Bye. To love is to feel pain. There ain't no way around it. The very nature of love is to grieve when it's over. The secret to a happy ending is knowing when to roll the credits. Better roll them now before something else goes wrong. This has been TV8 by Dinner. Don't forget to visit our forum at www.forum.tv8mydinner.com. So if what you have is working for you, or you think that it stands a reasonable chance, and if whatever's broken seems fixable and nothing's beyond repair, if you still think about each other and smile before you remember how screwed up it's gotten, Maybe still dream of a time less rotten. Remember, it ain't too late to take a deep breath and throw yourself into it with everything you've got. It's great to be alive. Dog crazy.